This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. James chapter 5 covers a multitude of things. And it begins with the subject of stewardship. And I'm so thankful that uh, there is a segment in this particular book that we've been on for a long time now that gives me an opportunity to express some heartfelt sentiments and also encourage you in the Lord and uh, maybe perhaps make some verses plain that might be um, a little rustic for you to navigate through if you do um, expository reading uh, as we do on Wednesday nights one chapter at a time. But if you are systematically reading through the Bible on your own and then you get to places like this, uh, it's helpful when you have uh, some commentary on it and some insight as well. But again, this this chapter deals with stewardship. And as, as the country is now making its way out of the pandemic and uh, things are getting back to normal and a lot of places and there there are multitudes of people that are ready to get back to normal um, I want to just say that in this unprecedented time that we have traveled through together as a church family your personal families you've had your own personal troubles and trials and so forth I have had some preacher friends that have passed away with COVID. Uh, I've had some personal friends that have passed away with it. You, you, all of us in here know somebody that has had it. I'm convinced of that. I don't, I don't believe that there's anyone hardly left that is not aware of somebody. It may not have affected you and your home and so forth, but all of us have been exposed to the startling realities that somewhere, somebody we knew, not just because we see them on television, but somewhere along a, f a family unit or line or friend or somewhat, we've known somebody that's been affected by that. It's taken its toll on not only families and businesses, but it's also taken its severe toll on churches to all across America. And this is an opportune time as we prepare to go into, um, I guess maybe the first six verses of this chapter deals with stewardship in some way or another. And I just want to say thank you so much to those of you that are watching tonight and you give faithfully to the ministry. Those of you that are here tonight, you give faithfully to the ministry. You're like the sun and the moon. You're always there. You you always do what is right. And I want to thank you so much for that and all for what you have done to help the church doing this most difficult, difficult time. And uh, there, there are stories that uh, we could tell you maybe uh, somewhere down life's road. We just devote a service to it. I don't know. But God has uh, definitely sharpened the pencil for me and opened my eyes to some 
truths that I, I didn't I knew about, but I didn't know that I would actually experience them. Maybe you're the same way. Um, because the days that we live in now are unprecedented. And the hard knocks that we have been through, I don't think for one minute, and I don't believe maybe the devil would have us to think or believe that the fight was over. But I'm telling you, there will be other things that come down the highway that affects us personally, that will affect our families, and ultimately will tangibly affect our church and churches everywhere. And so I, I just want to thank you for being faithful, for, for being good stewards, um, doing what's right all of the time. And uh, it certainly has been a huge, huge blessing to me. And so as we get into this chapter, I knew when we were in chapter four and somewhere around verse five and six that we would eventually get to this subject. And I mentioned a few times that chapter five was one of those chapters where you had to put your big britches on. And I've said that multiple times in and out of the series. I had no idea that verse number 15 would take nine Wednesdays, just this one verse alone. Uh, but, but it has, and it's taken us quite some time to get there. Verse number one in chapter five says this, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. And the margin of your Bible, again, if you are accustomed to taking notes, there are several key verses that I'm going to give you tonight that first uh, number one would be a good place to, in the margin of your Bible, write some additional scriptures down. One being in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2, the Apostle Paul said it this way, keeping in mind what we're talking about. James now moves on from the sin of omission we spent weeks talking about it, the difference between the sin of commission and the sin of omission. He now moves on from that subject to stewardship. And he has some pretty direct things to say about it. Now, the apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. All of us are stewards, every single one of us. But it's a matter of what we do with what God has blessed us with. And so looking at verse number one again, we're going to reference it a few times as time permits in the study tonight. Go now, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Understanding that this is a scripture about stewardship, I want you to know that this is not an indictment against wealth. Understand this. There is nothing wrong about being wealthy with godly assortment. Most people can't handle it. 
But with godly assortment, and we're going to see in the scripture, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, another scripture that I want you to write in the margin of your Bible here is Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 22. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about tonight. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 22. The scripture says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. And so when we become good stewards, faithful stewards, God divinely, graciously blesses us. He's not going to bless us abundantly. If we are not able to use what we have in in the very least of ways, he's not going to give abundant blessings from heaven upon us. If we cannot manage the little things, he's not going to give us greater things to occupy uh, our day-to-day lives. It's just not how he works. From time to time, people who have asked me, Pastor, can we ask you a few questions? We're, We're going through some troubles or struggles in our home and our life and so forth. And they have asked me my personal story on how God has blessed me and Gail through the years. And they have asked for advice and Whenever it's asked, I give it. Gail and I, as you know, we got married very young when we were 18 years old. I would dare say that I don't recommend to anybody to do that again. And I don't know if we were the pilgrims. I don't know, but listen. In fact, if I had some young people coming to me and asked me to marry them, they were 18 years old, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Well, we're in love. I know you are. And you can live on love. I know you can. But this preacher's been around the block for a long time. I don't do I wouldn't recommend anybody doing that. But I don't I don't want to take a whole lot of time to go into this part of it tonight. You know the story how we met when we were ten in church, and I've told the story many times. But when, when, when that time came, when I graduated high school on a Wednesday night and she graduated on a Thursday, we had the wedding rehearsal on Friday, we got married on Saturday. I wouldn't recommend that to nobody. But that's, that's the truth. We both had the blessing. And we were both fortunate enough to have been raised in a godly home. Now, she had a little different chemistry in her upbringing than I did. But we, we had good godly mothers. We, we were raised in church. I thank God for my father and so forth. And, and, but we were sort of like, coming from two different realms of spirituality and and being Christian, so to speak. And what was one of the many graces that helped me to know 
at a very young age that she was the one for me is because we did not have any diversities of of doctrine, denomination, goals in life. It was amazing how that all of those things seemed to be as one. We we did not, and, and again, this, this is not braggadociously saying I'm testifying. We, as the scripture says, uh, they too shall be one. And this is, this is how I believe that it's got to be. If it's like this, if it's like this, like this, I can promise you there'll be troubles and trials much harder and quicker than you can assume. So if, a, if it's going to work and work well, the scripture says they too shall be one. This is, this is how it's got to look. This is how it's got to be. And I've asked people many times when they've sat in my office, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds through the years, um, why do you want to marry her? And I, I wish that I had wrote some of this stuff down. I really do, because sometimes... What I hear, I don't believe, and certainly I think people, if I ever told it, wouldn't believe it. But you, you would be surprised. They tell me everything you can, well, um, you know, I've just known her for a long time. And um, I get along with her family well, and, and she she knows how to cook, and, and you know I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting for those three magic words that it takes forever and a day for some of them to get to. I love her, or I love him, and especially in this day and time. I remember I don't know if I told you this before. I had a couple sitting in there. And they said, okay, we want to get married. Okay, here's the three counseling sessions. And you have to be here in church. You have to be in the services. You, I have a list of stuff. It's not just a trot down here at the front. It's, it's, a, it's an ordeal. And if, if, if I can talk them out of wanting to be, in fact, I do that. And my, one of my first things in my counseling sessions I do, I try to talk them out of it. I figure this, if I can talk them out of it in 15 minutes in my office back here, they're nowhere near ready. If I can do it. And he says, I want you to marry us on the second Saturday of November. I said, I'm not doing it. Oh, but that's, that's a special day. I said, it's, it's a big day. I said, and I know you. I know you love to hunt. I do. I got a rack on my wall like this, and, and the stories just begin to flow. I know all about that. And, well, we, we want to do it on that day. I said, I'm not doing it. He said, why? I said, because by your own testimony, you like to hunt. 
And the first day of hunting season always rolls around every year on the same day. And you might want me to marry you this November on the second Saturday, but next November on your first anniversary, you're going to be in the deer stand. You're not going to be doing anything with her. I'm not having any part of that. And, and I could just go on and on and on telling you this, it's just crazy love, but that's the way that it is. But when we sat down years ago and we were pretty much raised together in the same church, we, we had same Sunday school teachers and we had the same pastor and we heard the same music and it, it was just a way of life. And we had decided a long time ago early on before we walked down that aisle, what we wanted with our lives together and what we wanted our families to be. And one of the things we learned early on by way of example in our own homes is that we were not going to allow worldly things. And you think about this, 18 years old, and we're, we're making conscious decisions about this. But by that time at 18 years old, I was singing music and we were just about ready to go on the road and that we had a lot of priorities that were pretty much intact to serve the Lord. But we had not arrived and I don't believe we have arrived yet. It's our, every day is still a working day, a learning day. It has to be. But we, we learned early on, especially with our children, we weren't going to bring worldly things into our home. Just weren't going to do it. And if we bumped into knowledge of it being worldly, we was going to get it out. We just, you remember what I was preaching Sunday about Jacob going to Bethel. Before he did, he had to get some things straight in his home. And people have asked me through the years, help me, give me, give me some nuggets. What can you counsel me with? What can you give me some advice with? One of the things I say is don't allow worldly things in your home. They're a whole lot easier to get in than it is to get out. The second thing is this, just as teenagers really, we decided that because we were going to have a godly home, we weren't going to miss church. If we were physically able to walk in the door, we were going to do it. But the third thing probably has meant more to me than any of the other spiritual lessons that we have agreed on in life and worked on from the beginning in the early days. Lessons that we were taught around the kitchen table in our own homes growing up. When I was growing up as a young kid, my jobs early on, 13 and 14 years old, was mowing grass in the neighborhood or delivering papers on the paper route, stuff like that. But my daddy taught me always, he said, you, you always give to the Lord what belongs to him. Never rob God. Don't do it. And back in them days, when you made a dime cutting somebody's yard, my, my dad said a penny belongs to the Lord. And back in those days, you could buy a handful of candy for a penny. You get the idea. My dad always taught me, my brother, my sister, 
You give to God what belongs to him. And so when Gail and I got married, here's what we decided when we were 18 years old, 1976, that we were not going to live life and then Saturday night sit around the kitchen table and decide what can we do tomorrow for God? What what can we tie this week? What Not this week, but maybe next week. And we, we didn't do that. Let me tell you, for all of these years, till recently when we started giving online, Gail would take these blue envelopes that you see in front of your pew there, and she would fill out, this, this was going way back. I don't remember what color the envelopes were when we just got married, but whatever they were, she would write out the tithe, and she would stick it on the middle of the kitchen table, right between the salt and pepper. We didn't have to figure it out on Saturday night. We always worked after God had his, always. It was never a wrestle, never a struggle. It never got to the point where we said, we don't have it. We always had it, but what we did with it made the difference in our life. It made the difference in our home. And if I could give three simple things to people you're watching tonight by internet, and maybe there's some young couples watching tonight, I don't know. Maybe you're just starting out raising kids, I don't know. I don't know what your circumstance is, but if I were to come into your living room tonight, sit in a chair, and you were to ask me for some golden nuggets that would help you down life's road, it would be number one, do not let worldly things in your home. Number two, when you're healthy, every time the door is open, be in the house of God. And number three, always give to God what belongs to him. I could sit here all night and give you one piece of advice or a golden nugget until midnight, but these are the three, and I've shared these many times with people. When, when you give what belongs to God to God, he will ultimately bless you. The Bible says with windows of heaven, He'll pour out blessings that you don't have room enough to receive. So here's the thing that I want to stress in this text. God doesn't disapprove of you being wealthy. He does, however, if if you worship money and hoard it. God has an issue with that. In fact, two, two other scriptures that I'm going to give you here. One is very familiar to all of us. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 10. The Bible says, for the love of money, it wasn't money, but the love of it is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. And then in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 28, the word says, he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. So if God's word has made it plain about stewardship in which it has, and we have been enlightened to it, which we have, and we remember the premise of which James is coming off of, just before verse number one in chapter five begins, therefore to him to know what to do good and do with it not to him and his sin. Well, we have a pretty good, clear, direct pathway that the word of God 
has paid for us. And when we obey the Lord, he will bless us. And when we disobey the Lord, there is chastisement and that comes in different degrees. So again, this, this verse right here, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. That's not, that's not at all condemning a person from being wealthy. But this is what God will ask you when you come down to stewardship. I believe God, the Holy Spirit, would lead you to these two issues, these two questions. Number one, how did you get your wealth? And number two, how did you use your wealth? God, the Holy Spirit, will minister to you in ways that you would never dream of. When you, when you, when you get the answers to those questions, the rest of it is a given. I believe one of the clearest ways that reveals the pureness of a person's heart is the decisions that they make about stewardship. Here's a danger about neglecting stewardship because if we're not good stewards, remember the scripture that we just read at the opening part of this particular verse that it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Here's, here's, if I could give you, if you're taking notes tonight and you're, you're writing down some of these nuggets that I've learned, life lessons that I've learned, Gail and I've learned together, we put into practice throughout the years. If I could give you one more tonight to put on that, it would be number four and that would be this. Let me go back now. Don't let worldly things in your home. When you're healthy, you go to church every time the door is open. Number three, you give God what belongs to him and that's the tithe. But then number four is this. You have to remember this, that if you don't, you will never, ever be in control of your finances. Now, you have to put your spiritual thinking cap on tonight and think it through. But the startling truth of the matter is this. If you don't give God what belongs to him, you'll never be in control of your finances, but rather your finances will be in control of you. So that's important. And as a believer, if we always think about these spiritual applications in our life, we have to remember this, that one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And it's not just about, listen, we won't stand before the Lord. He's not going to say, well, did you believe in me or did you not? Did you receive me as your Savior? Listen, if we stand before the Lord in, in, the, in the beauty of heaven, the splendor of heaven, and we're standing on the streets of gold, surrounded by the gates of pearl, and the Lord has said, enter in. He's not going to ask us when we get there, now why should I let you in? Listen, we're going to be there because of the grace of God. We're going to be there because of the blood of Jesus. So the thing about us being eligible for heaven, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, nothing has made us humanly with our own hands and our minds eligible for heaven. We are in this world lost sinners, and we'll die saved sinners in Christ. But here's the thing. One day, we are going to give an account of our works and our deeds and our stewardship. And it may not matter now, but I can assure you it will matter at one point in eternity. So look at this now. We have just a little bit 
of time left to tie the knot on this scripture tonight. He says, weep and howl. There'll come a day when we'll look back on our stewardship and we will be rewarded if we're good stewards. Let's, let's, let's close here. I got five minutes left. I didn't think we'd get this far in it tonight, but go all the way back to the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three. This passage is really familiar with most people. And uh, some of you um, are, we could go to verse 10 right away and you get the idea of things, but there are verses that precedes this and uh, goes after it that's oftentimes neglected. And those are really important scriptures. So if we're going to be, rewarded and blessed in this life and certainly rewarded and blessed in heaven, our stewardship is going to be a matter of question when we stand before the Lord or it's going to be an issue that's better said. But in Malachi chapter three, I want you to notice something beginning in verse seven. I'm going to read through verse 11. Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But she said, wherein shall we return? We don't know what you're talking about, Lord. And then in verse number eight, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then here's the classic passage that we're all so very familiar with. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now. God said, prove him. That when I read that scripture, I don't know if your mind goes to many of the promises of God and the many ways that he's demonstrated and manifested his faithfulness to us. But when I read this verse right here, all of a sudden the story of Thomas comes into my mind. And the disciples had just said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord, he is risen. Thomas said, it can't be. And they said, he has risen, we've seen him, we've talked with him. And Thomas said, unless I see him, unless I touch his nail prints, I'll not believe. Jesus appeared in the room and then he said, Thomas, Touch me. Basically what he is saying, prove me. I'm telling you the truth. Trust me. This is me. He said, prove me now. Herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.